Hello and welcome to the Rethink Energy podcast. This is where the Rethink Energy team talk about technology behind this week's energy news. I'm the editor Peter White. We've got with us uh, from Australia, solar analyst Andres Fontenar. Hello there. Uh, hydrogen analyst Bogdan Avramuta. Hello. And uh, EV analyst um, Connor Watts. Hello. And listening in is uh, Simon Thompson, our product manager, and he's going to contribute as well. All of this discussion is built around stories we published uh, last night on our free weekly uh, issue. Please go and sign up for it on our website at www.rethinkresearch.biz. Click on energy and, and then the stories you'll be seeing will be the issue. This week, we're going to discuss three main stories. The emergence of a, a US group of fairly large companies they want to accelerate uh, virtual power plants. And we're going to explore India's tricky situation around solar because it wants to make all of its own solar everything, modules in particular, and uh, can it really manage that? And we also do a big I told you so on the news that the natural gas price in Europe is back to where it was before the Russian-Ukraine war. I think, you know, we, we were the only analyst group who suggested this might happen. And finally... Uh, product manager Simon Thompson will quiz us on one or two short items that we've published on the energy transition. So first off, we're going over to um, a story uh, about VPPs. And um, it's it's normally not a very sexy topic because not a lot's happening in it. But this week, the Rocky Mountain Institute has um, pulled together a, a group of, uh, we respect them uh, as, a, as a kind of technical group, pulled together General Motors, Ford, Google, and a handful of software companies into what it's calling the Virtual Power Plant Partnership, or VP3. But the idea that uh, it's got General Motors and Ford, it's also got SunPower and Sunrun. So those are the t- number one and number two mm. solar installers in America. Um, and alongside that, it's got um, it's got a number of other, mostly software companies. I'm not sure that Home Connect is one, but Olivine, Span, uh, Virtual Pika, and an Australian company called Switched In. Um, the reason for Switched In being there is they all they seem to have done a lot of this before, and, and their software might be the basis of uh, their offering. Listen, the reason we picked this story out as important is once in a generation, a cluster of companies come together to try and um, bring discipline and, and get a head start in a market. I mean, I particularly saw this 20, 30, 40 years ago in the Open Software Foundation, about 30 years ago, when Unix became the kind of de facto uh, operating system for all computing. And that led to a kind of uh, homogenization of, of, of how we do IT, and then everyone jumped on the bandwagon, and eventually it led to the cloud and the and the condition we have in IT today. This this has the, the, the reek of that kind of power play. Um, gets enough big people in there, um, get them all to um, to back the same standards, the same ideas, the same way of doing things. And the idea is not just virtual power plants. Virtual power plant is you've got multiple supplies um, of, uh, of power generation, and you can treat them as if they're one single power plant. Um, but also, demand response. Um, so if Google's Nest is in there, um, and everybody who's got Google's Nest can turn down their, um, turn down their, their, their uh, the heating, 
or turn off the air conditioning or, or turn it down a few degrees, um, you've got the you've got a real control in the home for demand response. And at the same time, there's been a lot of stuff on the news about um, particularly Ford F-150 Lightnings, who have, which have an oversized battery, um, running people's house inside the, uh, uh, run, running the energy supply when people are cut off in freezing conditions in America and saving families. So it is also about using your car um, to power your home in emergency, but also using the car battery while the car is charging to save other people in other emergencies. The, the whole thing is, is kicking into um, a single operation. There's some funding put in by Google, uh, some funding put in by General Motors, um, and, and the ideas and the kind of management of it by Rocky Mountain Institute. I think it's a, it's, it's a great move. Um, the only real live player in America on this is, um, is Tesla, who a year ago put a, a kind of couple of pilots together, haven't heard much from them. We've seen some small companies getting some operators to control virtual power plants. I'm not sure operators need to be completely in control of this. And of course, yes, a guest from Australia, where this is rife, there are lots of virtual power plant offerings in Australia. Australians are very good at writing software. This is fundamentally a software play. And we, we've seen in Australia, I think Andrews has interviewed a couple, quite a lot of companies attacking this market. Still early stages, but much less um, rigidly regulated than anywhere else in the world. So, the, the, you know, if, if you get a winner in Australia, it, it could solve all the problems and then um, reach out to infect all the other uh, marketplaces. Why is it important? It gives power to the homeowner to generate their own energy. If they've got extra, share it with their neighbours. Um, if that happens, what happens to the utilities in this world? They all join in or they all die. We, do we mind which? We're not sure. Um, you know, some will do will join in, some some will die. Um, this is the trigger. Now, is it? It's probably two years away from meaning anything. But once these people get together and start writing code, and start solving these puzzles, this is going to be the standard. And if you if you establish the standard through a kind of power play, um, there's not much anyone else can do about it apart from form an opposing standard. Um, and then the two standards groups may join. Uh, so I'd look for something from Tesla later on. I'd look for um, for uh, the reaction to the power industry. Uh, I had a chat with um, with RMI and uh, uh, just with a spokesman there. I just said, you know, how do the utilities feel about this? And they they said, oh, there's plenty of opportunities for utilities in here. And then I read the paper that <laughs> they also published at the same time, and. Um, they kind of were talking about 60 gigawatts. You can reduce peak demand by 60 gigawatts by just having 60 gigawatts available in virtual power plants by 2030. So they've done a little forecast on that. Perhaps it's something we should do some work on. But if, if the Texas freeze out that and a couple of years ago had had this, instead of $9,000 per megawatt hour, it would have been... 60 or 70 dollars per megawatt hour and there wouldn't have been all those billions of dollars wasted um in fixing something that was just a weather condition so there's it's definitely ready to pop um it's going to take about two years to get all, all the work done and to start building momentum but a lot of the problem is 
convincing utilities. The utilities want um, to have the marketplace taken away from them. And they've got a real issue here. Um, if, if you're going to have a VPP that uses mostly solar plus batteries, if one of those batteries bursts into flame and sets someone's house alight because it's lithium ion NMC, those utilities don't want anything to do with that. So they want to keep at least a, an arm's length away from the purchasing and installation of batteries. But maybe through this, um, they can plug into it, into this business model without being seen to be responsible for installing lithium ion. And, and, and anyway, you start to see most home batteries in America now are LFP and much less dangerous. Um, all the ones installed in the last four or five years, they're dangerous, but you know most of them now going in are LFP. Comments? So I think VPPs have um, a lot of potential uh, to be important to the profitability of, of installing uh, battery energy storage at your house, uh, most likely with absolutely because you know it controls when you're selling it and there's time of day pricing, so that can easily make a huge difference. My question then would be, what about the EVs though? Because the the what the F one hundred and fifty Lightning that you mentioned, I think it's got a a battery size of one hundred and thirty kilowatt hours, which is thirteen times the a big domestic um, battery. So it, it's it's big. Uh, might might EVs be just as important for VPPs as domestic energy storage? And could EVs um, actually become much more sort of sort of affordable, really, uh, when they are drawing money from uh, their participation in, in virtual power plants? I, I think that's why Ford, yeah, Ford and GM are is, are important as part of this. Hmm. Um, and, and I think I think and, and this software, this is definitely three things. It is EVs being used you know, uh, by the grid safely without ruining your ev without reducing its lifetime this is also demand response being managed um either by an operator by a utility or um, or or some you know or through consent and also um also vpps it's all bundled into one if you look at um at uh at switched in um, they have something in western australia which looks just like this. I mean, it's not a, a massively large uh, plant, but it's been um, it's been sort of embraced by AMO, the um, market operator. Uh, yeah, go on. Yeah, I was going to say that the Australian market operator. I um I was going to to say, do you think there would be a, a response from utilities, perhaps a, a rival consortium or or something to kind of stymie the, this VP three? Can you see that happening? Yeah, I, I can see. Uh, I can see every move happening. I just don't know which ones are going to be successful. Mm -hmm. The utilities in America. I mean, you you grew up in the video era, uh, uh, Simon, and you you mm -hmm. knew um, people like Comcast. And there mm -hmm. was that period when Comcast was the most powerful and still is most powerful cable operator in America and the least popular company with its customers. <laughs> Uh, and, and we have that situation in at least 10 states where, where the utility is one of the least popular companies with their customers. Now, I, I think if, if you're going to save energy and if you're going to get things done cheaply, the last person you want to partner with is the company asking you for money for energy. <laughs> so, so you, yeah. So you want again? You want a buffer between you and them. 
And, and I, I think that we do need VPPs to be able to sell energy back to utilities at the time so they can use it across the grid and they can get it relatively cheaply, but that people can make money. The, the, the thing about this is, is it all stacks up. If you're getting profit out of a VPP, then your payback period for buying, I mean, it costs you fifty to $60,000 to on a decent sized home in America to put in solar panels and a, a battery. So if your payback time is 10 years, you think, well, maybe I won't. If your payback time is set six or seven years, some people do, some people don't. If it drops to three and a half years, everyone mm -hmm. does it. Mm -hmm. And if everyone does it, why do you need the utility in the first place? Now, I think it's up to the utilities to find a reason and answer to that question. You, you need us because, and, and this is the this is what I believe, and I, and I think we'll see more of this in Andres's um, uh, DR uh, report coming out at the end of the month. Is that the only way they can do this? Is if they they pay for it? You know, the big utilities say to uh, finance companies, uh, lend me the money, and I'll lend it to these homes. In fact, I'll I'll own the installation. And people who can't afford the fifty or sixty thousand dollars to do this work, I'll do it for them, and I'll let them have some of the benefit by having cheaper electricity, and I'll own all the equipment out there, and I'll effectively own the base of the VPP. Now we know um, from conversations that we have that are quite sensitive that some uh, large operators, not just in America but all over the world, are thinking hard about this, and this is the sort of thing that triggers a play. It, it, you know, before this takes hold with everybody, and that means before inside 12 months, one American operator uh, utility is going to have to make a move and, and make a bold move, and perhaps a collection of them, perhaps a whole Southwest power pool or something like that, will come out with uh, their answer to this. So I, I think, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think they they will counter it, and I think they will counter it not tomorrow, but in in the next 12 to 18 months. On the note of car batteries, again, do you think people will be put off by the prospect of adding thousands of charge discharge cycles to their car batteries? I, I, I think that it's the job of these companies to make sure that's not an issue. Now, so, so, you know, the, the, you, number one, if you, you have a large population of cars, you rotate whose battery you use. You, you make sure it's already in a high charge state and that you're not really emptying it. You, you, you do a lot of things which are done by a consent. You know, you sign up for this, then we're going to take uh, some charging barriers on stage. The beauty of it is, it doesn't matter if it's parked at home or parked outside your office. You can use the same car, and you can still take the same amount of energy from it. Um, you, you know, you've got, you, you'll have a problem locating it, but, uh, but that should be fairly straightforward. So, yeah, I, I, I do think... Um, Charge recharge cycles are an issue at the moment on on uh, cars, uh, especially in America where they want maximum range, um, and especially while we have issues with, with while we have to use NMC or NCA batteries, which are um, a, a much higher charge, uh, a much higher resistance rate um, than LFP. But I think either this slows over time and we get rid of you know, we increase the number of charge cycles you can go through. Um, 3,000 are typically all you can get out of, um, of, of that, those batteries, regardless of what vendors say. Um, but that will slide up. And once it's four or 5,000, really, 
you know, people claiming it's eight or nine already. But once it is genuinely four or five thousand, then you just, you, you're not going to have to worry about your battery um, deteriorating. And also, there's work going on to say I don't want it to only produce eighty percent of its output after three years. You know, so so the deterioration rate um, is being attacked as well. It's not today. I absolutely believe it. it's not absolutely today. But two years time, this put they put this seed in the ground, and if they come out with all the right software, this is the moment. This will build momentum. Let's move on. Um, I'm really interested in what Andrew's wrote about India um, and the tricky situation it finds it in around solar. Um, we um, we can't really see a way out of it. Um, you know, does India suddenly tomorrow start making all its own solar panels, or is it uh, is it going to shoot itself in the foot by insisting that you use Indian when there aren't any? So yeah, this is the the conundrum of you want to build a domestic manufacturing industry, and in order to do that, you have to bring in protections to um, that you have to bring in import duties against foreign imports. But those those protections more or less have to exist before people are willing to build the factories. So there's a there's a period where you have the worst of both worlds. Um, and I think India is in that period right now in 2023. That's what this article is predicting. And I, I hope I'm not wrong. Uh, I hope they don't manage to somehow install huge amounts because then I would look rather um, dim. But most likely, I, I think 2023 will be a weak year for Indian solar because uh, that's what several people are saying uh, because their their domestic manufacturing is growing uh, it can't meet all of domestic demand and i haven't actually checked yet quite how much but they're also exporting some to uh, the us the other market that's uh, trying to ex exclude chinese products which is a bit ironic i think next year it'll actually be quite good there's a uh, there's a jmk research um, estimate that india will actually have 18 gigawatts of cell production capacity by the end of this year. So uh, 18 gigawatts a year is not ideal for India, but it's it's um, it would be a record. It would be better. Uh, it, it would be sort of a lot of what they need. Yeah, but it, just right now, I mean, this year is actually a record year with 13.9 gigawatts installed, but it's only, it's only up 17.5%. That's a bit weak. Uh, we, we, we always see a bit of pain when you go through a transition like this. In fact, if you go back... Uh, to sort of 2020 time, China went through a, a painful period when it, it, it started to kill subsidies on solar installations. And they took it, all the manufacturers sold their panels outside the country for about a year, a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly that they, they made them cheap enough that the, the lack of subsidies didn't affect them and they got on with the job. So there was, there was pain there. Um, here, um, perhaps there's gonna be a year of pain and, and they, they can survive it, uh, although they're not in such a good, robust condition. And I think there's a, 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 an element of pain. We saw in, in Q3, and we've yet to see Q4 numbers for the US, but solar installations were half what they were expected to be, simply because everyone saw the Inflation Reduction Act and went, ooh, ooh, hang about. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's, let's put it all through that and make, and make, make our installations twice as profitable. And... How long is that going to take to actually materialize? You know, Q4, it won't have materialized. Q1 could be a whole year of delays in um, in America 
um, because of a positive um, action. So, you know, maybe maybe they've all got to go through a period of pain, and and then maybe accelerates. You know, we saw China come out of that. That you know, um, I think I think it uh, had record installations in something like 2018, and then 2019 because they, they cancelled the subsidies, it collapsed. So, yeah, it went from like um, 53 gigawatts down to 30, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So, so, so suddenly, yeah. Well, maybe that they expect that. Maybe that's part. That's part of the price you pay. Can they survive it though, Andrews? Mm, you mean the developers? I mean, I, I think it'll only well, be one year. Not, not the developers. I mean, the people making the fact making making the uh, you know are, are is it the Indian billionaires who can bankroll this, or, or you know you, you're going to have to. Um, but of course, as soon as you do make panels. Um, since you do make modules, you can sell it, definitely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, so that would be so, my answer to the question would be yes, they, they'll be fine. Right. Well, I mean, it's, it's we'll keep an eye on that. I mean, I think this is, we are in that time when um, there are going to be people yeah, disappointing, fall, falling away from targets. We, we know your article says very clearly how much India has missed targets by. And I, and I will say that less than I expected, <laughs> um, although still quite a long way. Um, but, um, yeah, I think that's, um, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll watch this. And, and at some stage, it could come powering through. And we're still, Europe is still talking about making pounds and, and still talking about uh, making its own um, uh, industry as well. Um, although I'm very sceptical about that, I could well, be wrong. I remember my old comments about that, which is that they're, they're sort of organizing all this NGO stuff and all these accelerators and regulatory things and agreements and plans and roadmaps. But at the end of the day, they need $10 billion to make 50 gigawatts of fully verticalized production capacity, <laughs> and they need a trade protection. They need $10 billion and, and tariffs. And that's what they're not doing. So, you know, I, I just... Well, maybe. yeah, and what does that do for the um, for the World Trade Organization? If mm. everyone goes into protectionist mode around around climate change, it's not going to be fixed. I mean, that, that, it's, it's almost... It's, it's like we say about nuclear. Yeah, nuclear is not a great, healthy uh, piece of, uh, of energy generation, and you have to deal with um, the, um, the the depleted waste at some point. But let's fix climate change first, and then let's get rid of nuclear. Not not let's ban nuclear immediately and say, oh damn, now what we're going to build? You know, and it, it's the same here. It's it's um, let's not ban Chinese modules now. Let's wait until we've solve the climate change crisis and then we can say all right all the replacements have to be american um i think the ira in particular is confused it's confused two missions climate change uh, and and uh, uh, emissions mitigation and a trade war and I, I just don't think anyone's thinking clearly about that and this of course in india is another trade war hmm. um we're going to pop over to um bogdan now um, uh, you know, it was we were talking the other day, and I said, um, You told us that uh, natural gas prices would come back down, and um, seems that that's what's happened. Yes, that's true. About six months ago, we we uh looked at our gas usage predictions, um, and in light of 
the Russian invasion of Ukraine, we decided to 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 maybe change those, and we make we came up with a prediction that prices would come down as uh, soon as 2024. We were a bit cautious with our predictions, but with our prediction, but um, to be honest, it was a complex complex matter. Um, the price obviously depends on 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 the sanctions of how mild this this winter was going to be. So plenty of unknowns still six months ago. But we saw that plenty of of, of European countries uh, came up with strategies to move away from Russian gas, and um, we um, included those in in our, in our forecast. And uh, we saw the demand falling starting 2023. So hence why we came up with a prediction the price would fall in 2024. All right. So so I think that what what we really talked about there was. Um... There was two movements. There was a movement to other fuels or other sources of gas or, or coal. Mm. Uh, and there was a movement to re-embrace uh, nuclear. But there was also uh, a movement to um, accelerate renewables and knock out more ga gas by replacing it with something which wasn't um, uh, didn't give off emissions. And I think what we didn't recognise was that they would be so aggressive on basically changing the, the fuel uh, from from gas to to coal in most instances, um, because at the time the coal price was peaking, expecting that. Mm -hmm. um, now now the coal price, I assume the coal price is also back to normal. Is it? We'll check very quick. <laughs> well, I know that the Chinese have ramped up their production, but that's just to serve their own market. So they probably have different prices there. China's strategy is always the same, uh, even if, even with gas. If we want to use more gas, let's make more ourselves, and then we won't have to spend so much money. Um, and the same with coal, and the same with it will be the same with hydrogen. It will be the same with everything. They um, they they try their hardest um, to get on. You know, to, to you make more profit if you make it yourself. My my point is, you we we kind of said once the the, the gas has actually been moved permanently out of the system, the price would fall. And we couldn't see that happening until 2024. Um, but of course, if you do short-term moves, which shift it into coal, and you, you just turn your nuclear power reactors up, uh, and um, if you start refurbishing them and bring them back online, it doesn't take too many years to refurbish a nuclear reactor. It becomes all of that. If you've announced it all, it's in the price. And everyone starts going, oh, or perhaps, perhaps, perhaps gas isn't so important as we thought it was, uh, and so the price naturally comes down earlier. It may go up again. I, I, I would expect it to continue to uh, go up and down on the news flow, um, based on whatever is happening in the war and whatever happens to Russian supplies. But I would think um, that price is just reaction to news. It's not the genuine underlying increase in the, the need for gas. I think we, that's gone away. We said at the time in your paper that we, we saw the increased need for gas as, as China and India, to some extent, had started to allow it, its untrammeled sort of market gains, both in, um, in, in electricity generation and in heating homes. And, and they, that, that had uh, such, was going, always going to suck more gas out of the market than, than there was, and it was always going to lead to a price hike. The war just accentuated that and, and drew a line under it. So, wow, this is really is happening now. Um, but it was, it's was it been happening for years, 
Uh, we had 10 years of very, very low gas prices um, because the world, most of, of the world was trying to bankrupt all the uh, American frackers um, so that they could go back to their old cosy existence. But that, that 10 years just seduced us into a false sense of security. And now that price has been released, it will go up and down um, on, on, on the merest rumour. So I think, you know, until we actually see, it would take another two years to really suck the, the usage out of the market, you know, shift more homes onto heating sources, which are not gas, shift more electricity, bring bring more storage online um, to get rid of gas peakers. I think all of that um, will take a bit longer. Uh, and, and meanwhile, we'll continue to um, give off emissions uh, in, the, in the actions where we've replaced it. Um, but yeah, I think it was a great call. I mean, I was sat with you when you kind of said, "Well, in which case, this this will be over by 2024." And I, and, and I said, "There you go, write, write it." And uh, and um, you were right. Yeah. So so it's, um, read our stuff. It helps. It helps make decisions. Simon, have you got anything for us from uh, from from the wonderful issue we put out? There? <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I was just leafing through the worth noting section, um, otherwise known as the, the world of renewables this week on the on the web. And there seemed to me to be um, a welter of battery and EV announcements. And one of them that, that caught my eye was um, about a solid state, a startup with a solid state battery at um, making an announcement at CES, Consumer Electronics Show. In, uh, in Las Vegas last week. Yeah, that, so, that'll be factorial, hmm. yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, they, they've been in discussion. I, I don't know the details of that design. I haven't gone into it in a lot of detail, but I do know that um, they, they signed a deal a year or so ago with Stellantis. Um, it was quite quiet um, because most of the, most of the uh, again, the news around Solid State has been on QuantumScape and its relationship with Volkswagen. So mm. I think um, QuantumScape is, it has got tons and tons of money thrown at it and it's public. And um, it's, it's share price was very high for a while, um, but as clean energy has gone out of trend, um, it's, it's fallen off considerably. Um, and so we've been using that as the, as the automatic um, kind of news carrier of what's happening with solid state. And, but they've got a roadmap and they're, and they're not building a factory till 2024. So, they, you know, everybody knows when they and they're bang on schedule. So everyone knows what they've got to beat. They've got to beat 2024. Um, I, and, um, and I'm also reading that the battery still uses cobalt. And I, I know that we've got another article about cobalt. So what, what's the significance of, of that? Well, basically, it's the same reaction. You get rid of the fluid electric light and you compress it uh, and you effectively have solids or, or I think probably they're viscous, but they are semi-solid. Um, and in fact, some batteries are described as semi-solid. And, and you just push the, the layers together and they interact. Um, you, you lose a lot of weight in there uh, and you can compress it into less space. So it's, it's the same reaction. So you can do an NMC version of this. You can do other versions of it. So um, it, this particular one, it, yeah, it does use cobalt, uh, but um, like I don't, 
again, don't know the design details, but uh, often if you get um, cobalt um, reduced, it's because you're using something alongside it, which almost, if I dare say it at the molecular level, tricks, tricks the system into believing that there's more cobalt than there really is in it, and it just gets on with the job. Um, I'm not, or it spreads it around more, it, it, you know, as part of a um, a compound. But um, so, so I, I, yeah, it'd be worth having a look at this, and maybe Connor will get in touch with them and, and do an interview with them. But uh, um, I think it's another name. We've had two or three others as well um, in in solid state. I don't think QuantumScape is going to have it all to itself, um, and and I do believe. That solid state. I mean, literally to go to jump in one go from what 260 watt hours per kilogram to maybe 500 is it's what quantum right. skates is mm. suggesting, and 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 this one closer to about 350. Mm. Um, it still takes it way beyond. In terms, of, remember, this is lighter. It is more compressed for the same amount. So if if you can reduce the amount as well um you end up with a car that's much lighter your range just goes on forever you can get mm. 700 800 900 1000 miles and and everyone talks about range as if it's a permanent thing how much does your car if your car is full of petrol how far can you go on it does anyone even know that that's normally about no. two yeah, two or three hundred miles, maybe five hundred exactly, kilometers perhaps, exactly. at the most. Well, we've passed that. Well, you know, we're past <laughs> that. So, so it, once we start um, getting, we, we get over the 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 initial installation of uh, public charge points in convenient places. Once that gets subsidised in by governments all over the world, yeah, who cares? Who cares? Two hundred mm. miles is all I want out, out of a full tank. Um, and I think that'll be true for ninety percent of car owners, you know, passenger mm -hmm. car owners, anyway. Not the same for trucks, not the same for uh, buses, uh, not the same for uh, pickups. But you know, certainly passenger cars, which is the great bulk of uh, where all the battery will go. Anyway, um, yes, there's a lot going on in battery. Um, we um, we cover it, we cover it regularly. Um, this is part of um, a big issue: uh, eight thousand, nine thousand words of issue. It's free. You go to rethinkresearch.biz. You click on the energy button, and then you're reading our news. You, you, you can sign up for it to be emailed to you uh, on the site, and um, we, we, um, we encourage you to do that. Um, we also encourage you to click on forecast and data and see our paid content. And uh, any of it there that you're allowed to read, go ahead and read it. And uh, all of that content is available for a single subscription, $4,600 a year, you get access to everything we've done now and for the next year. So um, if you're impressed by anything you hear, that's what you should do. And that we're going to say goodbye um, for this week's podcast. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode. Thank you. <laughs>